Welcome to the Fitness FAQs podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vadnell, Australian physiotherapist and calisthenics expert. When I first started training at 17 years old, I came across Steve Atlas's stuff on the internet. Impressive physique of a bodybuilder, extreme flexibility of advanced yoga practitioners, but also could move his own body weight around through space like elite level calisthenics athletes. So seeing this as a impressionable teenager who I guess had similar attributes to Steve in terms of being six foot tall and on the heavier side, having someone that I could see as an inspiration just really set the the pathway for me to know, I guess, what is possible if you can dedicate your yourself consistently and put the time in over the years. People bestow upon you some amazing compliments and some amazing you know, sentiment. And I know exactly where I'm at in the hand balancing world, man. I am, I am amateur at best, at, at best. I don't, what makes me unique is my age and my size that, that, that I do what I do. That's what makes me the, the kind of the outlier, so to speak, as you are well aware of in the body weight culture, you know, most of the people who are exhibiting high level of feats of strength and flexibility and such, they're they're generally, they fit a certain mold of, and a type. And so this is kind of where, and I knew this about you as well, cause you're a bigger guy. You're not, you're not a little guy at all. And that's, that was appealing to me to see, okay, you know, it's, it is doable. <laughs> you know, we have people that have, uh, um, that are outside of myself. And, and so I kind of resonate with that. I'm, I'll get a video, Dan, from some random, you know, a friend of mine and it, they'll show me like some amazing feat of strength that some guy's doing. And, you know, he might be 65 kilograms, you know, and he's 20 years old and it's an amazing feat of strength, but it's like, I'm not even moved emotionally by it at all. What's come down the pipeline in 28 years of coaching is, is that I've gone from like this weight room junkie guy to, to, you know, more of a, a far more, body weight, I went completely to the opposite spectrum of all body weight when I met Ido Portal to kind of finding actually what my balance is, which is, which is sort of having a little bit of all of these things until, you know, now it's like, my big thing is that my strength, which is the both relative and absolute, what I can do with weights and what I can do with body is as equal to my flexibility which is also is equal to the balances that I can perform with. And so there's like this triangular sort of piece that I want to have as harmoniously balanced as possible. And so that's sort of become this niche that I try to strive after. So therefore, you know, if I want, if I want to increase my strength in one mode, I want to also simultaneously increase my flexibility and my balances to offset the strength. And, and vice versa. So they're all interconnected with each other. So that's kind of, you know, at this stage, it's helped me to keep things prospectively where they need to be. I feel like, I feel like we're in a, you know, an age where you're kind of pigeonholed into, you're just doing one thing. Um, and I, I don't think that we have to be pigeonholed. What would you say for the people that make statements like, oh, I'm too tall or heavy to be doing calisthenics flexibility stuff, you name it. Well, in the words of my first movement teacher, Ido Portal, man, that's a effing excuse. You know, 
if, if you want anything bad enough, you'll walk through hell to get it. And if you don't really want to do something there, it doesn't matter how cool another person thinks it is. If, if it's not valuable to you, you're just not going to pursue it. And so gone are the days I try to sell anyone actually on what it is that I do. I used to, in the beginning, I used to try to pine after people to get them because I could see that they had maybe some physical potentials, but, but if they weren't naturally inherently drawn to it, like I was, I wasn't going to find my tribe. I wasn't going to find my, my group of people that were going to, you know, train with me the way that I wanted to train. I mean, the cool thing is I get to train with my students and, uh, you know, they might not be across the board as, as athletically or as gifted, but they have the same grit and mindset and they, they don't quit and they don't quit because they've fallen in love with it as, as, as I have. Um, and I get to celebrate that with them as, as they're going through it and they're, they're having the soreness and some of these, you know, temporary pains in their bodies because their bodies are growing and, and getting better. It's like, you're not alone and I'm going to, I will be there for you. And you have somebody that's going to champion and advocate who you are for going through all this stuff. In our culture today, Dan, I, I think that you'll agree. <laughs> we see something we want. We tell ourselves, gosh, I'd love to have that. But do we really want to work for it? You know, and, and that's kind of where, you know, the, the brass tacks hits, hits the road. And I'm not in this for the money. I never have been in it for the money. I've gotten into this because I, and I do what I do at this stage in the game. And I come down here when it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm in my studio and no one's telling me to be in my studio at one o'clock in the morning. And I'm just exploring and doing different things. Why the hell am I doing this stuff? You don't make it look hard and difficult because you spent hundreds of hours training yourself to ignore the exertion of what it looks like in your perceived face of, you know, pain. You, you do it for no other reason because you have a personal challenge, maybe. I mean, I think that the psychological implications are there may have been some things in my childhood that were difficult. And instead of turning to drugs and alcohol, I escaped to exercise, man. That's, that's where it all began. It was a healthy outlet and I got addicted to it. Fortunately, it was a healthy addiction. That's the type of story that resonates with so many people, myself included. It's like, if you have clarity with what you want and it's healthy in nature being exercise based, then you're not really going to go towards things like drugs and alcohol because you see how much of a handicap that has on the goals you want to pursue, right? And this is where, again, we get away from the balance of it all. So how do we temper the enthusiasm and the ambition to, uh, to a level where we can really keep our bodies in, in check? Because gosh, I don't know if you pay attention. I mean, I'm interconnected with the bodybuilding world, man, and the deaths that are happening among the pros these days. It's, it's crazy how many people are dropping off. It's very saddening. We're finally starting to see the ramifications of the lifestyle they were leading and decisions they made the peds that are being used uh, to the level of the extreme i mean I, I i was a huge fan of course of schwarzenegger back in the 70s and the whole pumping iron days and that stuff and i i would never you know to this day i mean i still look on those those memories very fondly because that's kind of what got me into um that to begin with and i i had no ambition to you know put a bunch of drugs into my body, but I, I wanted to lift and I wanted to be strong. I was always a lot more scared of the side effects and the ramifications by not knowing what the hell it was going to have in a long-term consequence. And so at this stage in my life and complete transparency, you know, I, I go to a doctor every six months. I have my hormone replacement therapy. 
Um, and I started that at the age of 45 years old when I looked at all of my numbers and I looked at my blood work and uh, they were very, very low. Um, for somebody as active as I was, he was actually surprised I could do what I could do. And so he started asking some questions. He goes, you know, let me ask you, have you ever used any steroids, any performance enhancing drugs? And I looked right at him and I go, no, in fact, I pride myself on being this natural athlete my entire life. Then he asked me a question. He goes, did you ever take any quote, uh, testosterone supplements, like from general nutrition center or super supplement sports. And I said, God, yeah, I've been taking them for the last 10 years. He goes, see, this is what I think's happened. A lot of this stuff, Steve is not regulated. And so what it can do long-term effective using those things, we were finding that what we believe it actually begins to shut off a lot of the natural hormonal receptors in your bodies. And it stopped making some of its own natural testosterone. And so that's why we think that your numbers are as, as lower as they are. I sleep, I get, you know, I, 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 all the dietary, everything is good. So when I started that process of doing my hormone replacement therapy, I felt within two days, man, I felt amazing. I just like, I was starting to recover again. I wasn't sore for five days anymore. I was, you know, I was, I felt normal. Like I had been admittedly that's kept me the ability to, because I can recover and I can actually continue to train hard. Steve, I appreciate your honesty on that topic of the testosterone replacement therapy, because this is something that, because most of my audience would be similar age to myself. They're in their twenties, possibly even early thirties. And, you know, physiologically, naturally, everything's in check. There's no reason if you're within the healthy markers for all those things to even consider this because like you said most people aren't going to be competing as elite athletes etc etc but this is definitely a topic i want to talk about is just that accepting aging and i guess the inevitable changes that will happen over time so we know that it's going to take longer to adapt from a training session uh, strength gains aren't going to be what they were when you were in your late teens, early 20s, ability to gain muscle, all that stuff. In addition to the TRT, has there been any shifts like psychologically? How do you, I guess, manage that? That's a good question, Dan. Um, as we age, there there is no replacement of some of the physiological you know, responses. You, know, you, you do feel your joints more. You can see it in the wear and tear you know, around your face, you lose a little more hair, you get a little bit more, you know, a little more gray. Um, you get, you see more wrinkles and, and, and these kinds of things. There is um, an acceptability in, in it all. I think it's a lot more tolerable if you keep the rolling stone moving instead of sitting where it gathers moss. I think that that's been the key for me. I've never stopped exercising Aging is is a very real part of this stuff that you can't you can't just say I'll power through anything. That's how you end up on the shelf. That's how you end up injured. And I've learned that it's okay to back off a little bit if it means I can continue to train instead of saying F it. I'm just going to hit the full throttle, you know, because I can't afford to be on the shelf anymore. I can't afford to have the setback. So I've got to be a lot more mindful. So my warmups are extensive you really do, you spend a lot more time doing mobilization piece, um, a lot more time loosening up, a lot more time elevating your body temperature, just to ensure the safety 
of, of being able to carry out what you can do. Um, I've had enough tweaks and strains and sprains and injuries that I don't, I don't have to relive the same hurtful lessons that I would impose upon my own body by not listening to it. When it's saying something like, Hey dude, <laughs> we appreciate your ambition here, but you need to back off a little bit because today we just don't feel like giving you what you want. And that is something that's been, that's, that's one of the hardest things to temper. It's one of the hardest things as a young man, because it's almost like we have so much testosterone, we just override everything. Um, the nice thing is at the stage in life that I'm at, I have the ability to identify when these flags come up, when these cautionary signs come up and I can temper the workout enough to where, okay, I'm just going to back off a little bit. And the next time I come in here, we'll see what my body will give. And so sometimes your body gives you an amazing output day. And sometimes your body has a completely different agenda, but that's a, that's something that definitely comes with age. So with all of the physiological changes, you know, that um, slowly degenerate these carbon organic life forms that we occupy, there is a mentality and a wisdom that you gain that you really can learn from and, and pass off to other people because it's a steep learning curve and it's, it's damn fearful when you've never done anything, you know, like this in your life, going upside down for the first time, if you're a, you know, a 60 year old person who goes, gosh, do you think I can actually learn that? Would you like to learn? Yes, I really would. You know, and I, I have people that are, are doing this. They're in their sixties and they're learning handstand for the first time. And can you imagine, I mean, the, <clears throat> the elation of people learning how to balance on their hands, you know, in a stage in their life when everyone else is broken and fallen apart, you know, it, this is, this is what makes me do what I do at this stage of my life. And what keeps me excited is when you see a person take a fear or an apprehension, and then you bring it to life and they do it. And they have this, this moment, this amazing shining moment, and it's filled with emotion. They've overcome fear. They've overcome doubt. And you get to be a part of that journey. You know, Dan, this is, this is what I do for work because I love doing it. It's good to see people like have this awakening in their bodies. Like I could never do that with my body before. That's a beautiful moment to have. Why do you think it is that people don't blend the disciplines more often? You either get the person who is a bodybuilder, is a powerlifter, or just does flexibility, mobility stuff. Because we know from experience that there's so much to complement each other. So having the muscle size feeds into being able to be strong and having the flexibility in your joints allows you to have more degrees of freedom, which provides options. I have found that the women students that I work with are far more open to the teaching. The guys, they love the strength and they love that, that alpha male sort of testosterone driven, you know, expression of physicality and, and, and strength. But it means when they have to address their weaknesses, that means that they have to show that it's not going to come across in a way that it's not going to show them in their, in their, you know, best light. And if you're a guy um, and you're used to being the cock of the walk and you're used to having, you know, all the swagger and everything, you start having to show where you're weak. Then suddenly you're not very comfortable because you're correct. 
we do see the benefits of all these things coming together. But I think a lot of times people use things like, I don't have enough time. You know, that's the big one. I don't have enough time. It's like, that's, that's fine, but you're not bullshitting me. (laughs) (laughs) Today's sponsor for the show is fitness FAQs. Use the coupon code podcast 10 to save 10% at checkout when shopping on fitnessfaqs.com. Enjoy the discount and let's get back to the conversation. Most people would understand the benefits of each, like training for appearance, for strength and flexibility. But what confuses or overwhelms people in addition to the time, because we're not going to discount it. It takes a time and commitment as well. But just structure, Steve. How have you found to best structure all three in a training week or even a day as well? The balance and the flexibility are trained together for me. When I when I go to um, when I go to the gym to do a rehearsal tonight, and I which which will require me to do a lot of flexibility and a lot of strength training, um, it's interesting. I I will I will do that. All of my movement stuff I will do before my aesthetic or any of the weight training work. For me, the weight training comes easily, and I'm not saying that to to marginalize you know stuff. It's just, but I started that stuff barely after the age of 10 years old. So my body is so adapted to, to those movements. I've also learned over the years, really how to curtail my recovery in, in a way that, okay, I know what I need in order to stimulate. I know that there's a certain amount of stimulation or a certain amount of work that I do that goes in the other way. I'm not building at that point. I'm just, I'm just wearing the muscle down. I'm not doing anything beneficial for the muscle at this point. So almost like junk volume. It's just additional. That's just building fatigue that you can't recover from. I remember training uh, planche for the first time, uh, straddle planche. I could never do full, you know, feet together planche, but the first time I could actually do straddle planche for like five seconds. And it took me about maybe a year to 18 months of, of solid training that, that stupid element. <laughs> I can agree with you, Steve. It's a big commitment. But I remember a couple of times I, I did up to 50 sets of planche training in a day and hardwiring, you know, and, and, and really learning how to train. The hard part is there are certain skills like one arm handstand, for example, which is arguably the most difficult skill I had to learn is, is, was one arm handstand, um, being taller, being bigger, uh, learning how to coordinate all of your body weight on, on one hand. And that extended position was very, very difficult for me. It took just shy of two years. I remember for the last three months leading up to that, I was training that stupid one element, five hours a day. Um, because at that point I was obsessed and, you know, here's an interesting thing about that. No one gives two rats ass. You're so obsessively driven. What are you going to get? A few likes here and there, an attaboy, a, you know, a pat on the back. But after that, it's like, what the hell are you doing with all your time? Well, it's like, how do you explain to people that this is, this is a passion that you are invested in? You love, you, you love the journey and what it teaches you. And so when people are coming to me to learn this stuff, I ask them to document how they are being affected by the workouts that they do. In other words, what are you gaining from this mentally? What are you gaining from it spiritually? It's not about the fame. It's not about money. It's about going on a journey inside for most of us. Could you elaborate on your nutrition approach? Because I'm sure people are admiring your output and everything that you do physically, 
it, it is a meat based um, uh, primary a meat based uh, diet. I, I don't I don't shy away from that fact. Um, I basically have you know a lot of vegetables in with that to you know try to bring my pH levels more alkaline um, to offset some of the some of the acidity from the meats and, and these kinds of things. I choose lean meats um, and I try to diversify it between um, poultry and fish. Like tonight I'm having steelhead, which is a fish um, with, uh, with probably some asparagus. Uh, you know, it's, it's generally kind of what, what we'll do. Um, sweet potatoes is sort of the, you know, the carbohydrate choice, but I use a lot of rice cauliflower and I realize everyone is different. And everyone, you know, has an opinion about this. I'll, I'll just simply say I'm lean year round. I'm strong year round. It's very rare that I'm ever sick. It's very rare that I get injured or hurt. My sleep is good. My, my body responds very well. If a person can show me a skill and a lifestyle at my age with their body and they, they can show me, I'm interested in listening to what they have to say. But with all respect, if you're 19 or 20 years old and you shredded, I had that too, and I was eating shit food. But it comes back to what you said. I think you said it perfectly, Steve. It's like how you look, how you feel, and how you function at your age, that is the proof right there. And I agree with you. It's almost should be the norm that if someone's in their 20s, it's not as hard for you physiologically. That's why we don't see as many people in their 40s and 50s who are doing what you do. So we have to pay attention. Once upon a time, I, I just made a very conscious decision that I was not going to be an average person. People swim in their life thinking, God, is this all there is? It's like, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, I'm blessed to know that and, and to be doing it. That's, that's a pretty amazing uh, realization to have. But um, you know, you can be really good at something, even if you don't love it. But if you love doing it, you're automatically going to be really good at it. When you help a person change in their life um, and you are instrumental in that piece, what do you say to that? You know, how do you, how do you equate that to, you know, some stupid piece of material that momentarily makes you happy? You literally but- can't put a price on that, can you, Steve? Because it's like with, with this stuff, it has to be earned. The lessons, the body, the skills, all that stuff. And if you can provide someone else the opportunity to earn that themselves money can't buy that you're absolutely right i can't even add to that just because you've already said it that's very accurate what do you think is the main reason then that most people don't achieve their goals their wants are not in line with their realities i I think that sometimes a person has to be very uncomfortable to elicit real change um uncomfortable maybe in their personal life maybe uncomfortable in their professional life, that they can actually find a level of an escape in doing something that they have control over. You know, um, the people that I see actually finding the most amount of success, for example, in the respective field that we, we do, um, these are people trying to prove something to themselves. There's an agenda. Uh, and make no mistake, it could be personal. It could be, it could be very, uh, it could be from a professional standpoint. I have a lot of people who work very stressful jobs, man. They get in here and they just, they tear it up because it's the only place where they feel like they can really release, you know, but when people find out that their, their physical attributes, they can, 
they can transcend, they can actually work on things that instead of just exerting energy, they can actually shape and contour into something beautiful. There really is something beautiful waiting for them. I get so, <laughs> man, I, I, it fires me up. I, I love doing this so much because I love the reaction from people. It's, it, it bleeds from their, their emotions. Um, and I feel it even now, whenever I think, man, if it's, if it's not going, you know, my way for whatever reason, it's a bad day or whatever, I just have to think about my students and, you know, what they're doing is my students inspire me all the time. You know, they talk such an inspiration to me, Steve, we appreciate everything you do. We couldn't do this without you. It's like, no, man, you know, I watch you, you guys teach me and you don't even know that you're teaching me. It's yeah. really a cool. And the fascinating thing with that as well, Steve, is I don't think we fully understand the impact that we have as teachers because, but how many people appreciate what you do and don't say it? How many people appreciate what you do and then go on to teach other people through what you've taught? What would you say are your most proudest achievements to date? I've been to Europe one time in my life. You know, I, I never had a lot of money growing up. And so I always wanted to go to Europe. When I was training with Nikita, the act that we did was good enough to qualify to get us into the International Circus Festival over there. So they literally flew us over there. And I got to, we get to spend, you know, two weeks over there performing as performing artists. And that's, that is arguably one of the most, you know, crowning achievements because one, it fulfilled two things. One, I got to see Europe. And the other thing is I got to, you know, I got to perform um, in a circus. Somebody once said, if you're going to let others edify you, you know, let other people show you that you are, you know, that you are good if you're good. Let other people show you that you're special if you're special. But you shouldn't have to say it yourself. If you have to say it yourself, you know, then there's some other things that are kind of going on there. You know, maybe mommy and daddy didn't pay enough attention to you, whatever it is, you know, I, I don't know. But, <clears throat> you know, let other people talk about your, your hard work if you can. What's an injury that you've experienced, Dave? And what were the lessons that you learned from it? Some of the injuries, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, I've overdone my wrist many times uh, where I really had to learn to back off the, the volume of training. Um, when I was training hollow back or the Mexican handstand or the reverse planche, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's all basically the same thing. But when I was training that and I was, when I was getting good at it, I started feeling my lower back and I was training it a little too often and it was starting to bother me a little bit too much. And, um, they both taught me the same lesson. They both taught me how to listen to the signals that my body was giving me instead of pushing through things. You have to overtrain and you have to not train enough. And only in those two extremes, you have to know where that's how you find your balance by over kicking and over rotating and not kicking up hard enough. For example, that's, that's, and you do that hundreds and hundreds of times. Well, the same thing can be said about how to learn to listen, you know, to your body. You know, once you start figuring out after, you know, okay, this is about that point where my body wants to give me the middle finger. <laughs> so I'm going to now, instead of push through, I'm now just going to back off. In fact, I'm going to go do a completely different exercise, targeting completely different sets of muscles. And I'm going to let my body recover. And so that's, again, that's wisdom that comes with age and, and hopefully your ability to, to listen to your body that, that comes in, into more standing. But ambition is a bitch to temper sometimes. Any advice for people that are trying to get the balance of 
striving for a future goal versus gratitude for the present moment? Making short-term goals. Things that I know I, I have to stretch myself a little bit for, but I know that I can get there. So something acquirable, but not instantaneously able to get. That has been, for me, my psyche, my ability to you know, get myself through um, and able to, to do a lot of these uh, things have been short-term goals that I know if I just grind away a little bit, I'll be able to acquire. My last question for you, Steve, is what is the best advice that you've got from a mentor, be it a person or through training itself? It, it was never phrased this way, but every mentor and teacher that I've ever had have, have eluded to a general sentiment. When you can establish a true and authentic trust between you and the student, the true learning begins. With trust, that means they can be vulnerable with you. And when they can be truly vulnerable with you, you can build them stronger than they ever have. That also means you can eliminate a lot of the garbage. You can, you can get things psychologically out of their head. It's all mental. It's all in the teaching game. It's all mental. You know, there's, there's a great example, of course, of being able to execute something physically, but that's only going to take somebody so far. That's not going to carry them through the hard times. You said, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. and Would you be interested? And I was like, you know, I've always been such a huge admirer for your, um, your contributions and your enthusiasm to educate people, particularly with the bodyweight culture as an example, um, for so many people to follow instead of just the same conventional ways of going to a gym, getting on a treadmill or a bicycle, you know, doing three sets of 10 on the machines and then going home. <laughs> so, so I really do, uh, you know, we need a lot more of the, the, the body weight present culture. I've been very blessed to, to have the, you know, the career that I have and continue to open up doors, but it's, it's also nice to have people such as yourself who are wanting to, to learn and, and if I can impart any knowledge and pass on any knowledge. Thanks for your sentiment, Steve. And I really appreciate your time today. Cheers. My pleasure, my friend. We will talk soon and uh, God bless. Take care. Thanks everyone for listening. Visit fitnessfaqs.com to master calisthenics and become a bodyweight pro.